May 22nd. John chapter 12, verses 20 through 50. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem to attend the Passover paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into His glory. The truth is, a kernel of wheat must be planted in the soil. Unless it dies, it will be alone, a single seed. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who despise their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. All those who want to be my disciples must come and follow me, because my servants must be where I am. And if they follow me, the Father will honor them. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from what lies ahead? But that is the very reason why I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven, saying, I have already brought it glory, and I will do it again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to him. Then Jesus told them, The voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time of judgment for the world has come, when the prince of this world will be cast out. And when I am lifted up on the cross, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. Die? asked the crowd. We understood from Scripture that the Messiah would live forever. Why are you saying the Son of Man will die? Who is this Son of Man you are talking about? Jesus replied, My light will shine out for you just a little while longer. Walk in it while you can, so you will not stumble when the darkness falls. If you walk in the darkness, you cannot see where you are going. Believe in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. After saying these things, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. But despite all the miraculous signs He had done, most of the people did not believe in Him. This is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. Lord, who has believed our message? To whom will the Lord reveal His saving power? But the people couldn't believe. For as Isaiah also said, The Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, so their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he made this prediction, because he was given a vision of the Messiah's glory. Many people, including some of the Jewish leaders, believed in him, but they wouldn't admit it to anyone because of their fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. Jesus shouted to the crowds, If you trust me, you are really trusting God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world, so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the darkness. If anyone hears me and doesn't obey me, I am not his judge, for I have come to save the world and not to judge it. But all who reject me and my message will be judged at the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken.
I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me gave me His own instructions as to what I should say. And I know His instructions lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. The same power of God empowers you. The same need of man plagues man. Go out and do it and God will be with you and give you the increase. Let your light so shine before men that they, that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. In this day of shortcut evangelism, three minutes in the gospel, don't think you've evangelized somebody, says, say they until you bring them across the line, whatever. I want to tell you there are some cultures and some nations and some people who will never come to Christianity. Mahatma Gandhi went on to say this, the Christians will never make a dent in India until the Sermon on the Mount becomes a part of their creed. You hear that? I don't know what habits you have that you have not given up. I don't know what dreams you're pursuing that you have not given up. I don't know what things your hands touch that are not yours. I don't know what goals you have set that are ungodly. I don't know what places your feet are taking you that you ought not to go. But I'm going to challenge you tonight. If you claim to follow the person of Jesus Christ, are you willing tonight to lay it at his altar and give it up for him for the sake of his glory? When I look at all that God has done in this world, when you realize what philosophers will do to argue against the existence of God, it will boggle your mind. One of my professors at Trinity, Dr. Norman Geisler, a brilliant philosopher, gave a documented illustration once of a man who'd lost his eyeball. He'd lost his eye in some, some very, very sad accident. But somehow through prayer and healing, this man was able to see. He had no eyeball there, but he was able to see. And after a tremendous manifestation that this could be done, do you know what somebody said after that? Well, it just goes to show you, you don't need an eye to see. One day we'll be seeing through our elbow, through our knee, through the back of our head, whatever. That's precisely what some skeptics have said. What is it going to take to convince you that God wants to speak to you and God wants to speak to you loudly and clearly through his word? Are you going to constantly run? Let me give you two scriptural illustrations of how people can run from God and how you and I can do the same. Take illustration number one, Elisha, a man running towards God. Illustration number two, a man running away from God. Young Elisha was a prophet. He'd locked, he'd locked his ministry with Elijah. And one day Elijah said to him uh, that God has called you into this ministry to succeed me. And I will cast this mantle upon you, as it were. And Elijah says to Elisha, you stay here. I'm going to go to Gilgal and I will return after a little while. Elisha says, sir, if you're going to go to Gilgal, I want to come with you. And both of them go to Gilgal and there they learn of the holiness of God. After Gilgal is over, Elijah says to Elisha, you stay here, I'm going to go to Bethel. Elisha says, if you're going to go to Bethel, I'm going to go with you. They go to Bethel and there they learn of the faithfulness of God. Elijah says to Elisha, you stay here, I'm going to go to Jericho, I'll be back. He says, if you're going to go to Jericho, I'm going to go with you. They go to Jericho and there they learn of the power of God. Elijah says to Elisha, from here I'm going to go to the Jordan, that's my last stop and I'll be back. Why don't you stay here? He says, if that's your last stop, I want to go with you and then I'll return. They go to Jordan and there they learn that even stones can be a testimony for God, how much more a person empowered by God. Elisha had been with Elijah through Gilgal, through Bethel, through Jericho, through Jordan. 
He'd feasted at the feet of his master who'd been his predecessor in the prophetic ministry. Elijah then looked upon Elisha and he says, you've been a faithful servant of God. What is the one wish you want before I leave this earth? And Elisha struck a conference there with him, stretched his chest out, broad-shouldered, locked eyes with him, and he says, sir, what I want is a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah, in an anticlimactic, ironical response, turns around and says, you have asked a hard thing. But you read the story, Elijah in his lifetime performed eight miracles, Elisha performed 16. Only because he hungered and only because he yearned. 